Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Injecting soul into the everyday. Because margaritas and bachi are just as soulful as medis and self-care. With your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. So we're switching it up this week, Hull, and we're not reading out a Facebook comment. Instead, we're going to shout out one particular special listener of ours. It's true, Jord. We love this listener to bits and she brings so much joy into our lives and we know she's going to bring joy into everyone who listens to the potty. (laughs) So, Ash, we're shouting you out. Her Instagram handle, for those of you yet to jump on board, is spiritual underscore mama underscore. And that's mama with two M's. Now, the reason that we chose to shout Ash out is that she reached a milestone on Instagram last week she reached a thousand followers jord and we just want to sing her praises and send her all the love because she loves the potty and we love her yeah we do we love her so much she brings us so much joy watching ash's stories is just like the best fix of a bad day (laughs) absolutely and she loves her family so much as well yeah it's so beautiful yeah so definitely jump on board and give her a follow guys we love you ash um, okay, let's just address what we are both thinking about. <laughs> I just, do you know that I went to the store this morning to get a coffee to Bay Grocer and they had sunflowers and I was <gasps> going to buy them. I was like, I'm going to put sunflowers in my home. And then I couldn't buy them because I actually don't have a tall enough vessel to hold sunflowers. Fair call. But I was just like, all I could think about was Tim and his broken little heart and... I thought I maybe the right tribute would be buying some sunflowers to put in my home. Maybe we should all put sunflowers out for Tim. I think we should. So, of course, we're talking about the Bachelorette finale that for Holly and I happened last night. We are recording on Friday. We were not in the same lounge room watching it, but we were definitely conversing over the Voxer throughout the whole experience. Yeah. Um, what did you think, Hull? Let's break it down. Look, at the beginning, well, let's just break it down with Thursday's shock elimination of Ryan, right? No, Wednesday's shock elimination of Ryan. So that made me think, because I never saw that coming. I know many people didn't see that coming. I was like, oh, well, obviously Tim's the front runner here because that's just come out of kind of nowhere. You know what I mean? And then the whole episode... The chemistry between Tim and Angie, the way that he looked at her, the way that she looked at him, their just playful energy, the laughter, all signs were pointing to Tim. And it was so exciting. And to see him and his little heartbreak just destroyed me and the whole of Australia. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. I I can see what was going on in Angie's head, though, and I've definitely been there myself before. Sometimes when we have a connection with someone who doesn't fit the mold of what a long-term life partner should be it scares you it scares you and I think because she was making a big decision in front of a whole nation of viewers who were heavily invested in this series Bachelorette have had really bad ratings and this this season was just like unparalleled to the other seasons that had come before it I think she took the safe option she took the safe love. Leah and I were saying that. And do you know what, George? There's actually nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Especially if you're looking for a partner to spend your life with. And, like, she was very open and honest. She wants to have children. She wants to get married. She's at that age. She's at that life stage. It does make sense that Carlin would be that option to take. And also, I am of the belief that you can have very strong love feelings for more than one person at the same time. Absolutely. I think the other thing is there's a lot of, because the internet exploded last night, um, I think there's a lot of people saying, you know, Carlin's really boring and 
he's so vanilla. You know, what a season of beige men. But (laughs) (laughs) Kieran and Tim aside, obviously. But I think the other thing is they're on TV. and And I think this about Ryan as well. Like everyone was like, oh, Ryan is so boring. I just think we take for granted what it's like to have not just one camera in your face, but multiple cameras and multiple producers. And they're probably nervous and stumbling to find the right thing to say. It's not like it's Mm. scripted. It's their words. Absolutely. I think also the producers are getting really great at the plot twist and throwing in all this stuff. They nailed it this year. They nailed it this year, both (laughs) seasons. And that's that's what it is like we're looking at it going it's so obvious that she was so in love with Tim but just as likely especially in the beginning was her connection with Carlin and I saw Osha share a post about it all this morning and he said it was an honor and a privilege watching you fall in love with Carlin so we're not seeing everything and maybe to people who were more involved it was blatantly obvious that Carlin was the front runner you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean but my little naive little Holly as a party <laughs> Osher is part of the brand. It's in his contract to write that. They need to sell Angie and Carlin. What do you think? He's just like Mr. Independent Thought? No. Oh, just like everything Osher says for gospel. I was like, oh, guys, Osher said this, so it must be true. No, I know what you're saying. And do you know what I liked about Angie's post, though? (laughs) Deliberate in me, because I was so off everything batchy last night. But this morning she used a nickname for Carlin. She's like, I love you, no, no, or whatever she called him. And it's like, oh, they have pet names for each other, guys. Like, she clearly loves the I think it was no, no, like, oh, oh. Oh, no, no. But um, did you watch the video, the couple's video of them on The Bachelorette's account? No, I couldn't find it. Oh, God, it's there's, on the no, there's no chemistry there at all. I mean, he, yeah, he, he's going to have to step up his in front of camera game if he wants to be an actor because <laughs> <laughs> he just like, he just doesn't sparkle. It's it, You'll see what I mean when you watch it. Should we tell the listeners our view of Carlin's natal chart? Yeah, we think he's triple water. We think he's a Pisces with a Scorpio moon and Cancer rising. I mean, we could be wrong, but not likely. No, I'm pretty sure that's it. Mm. Uh, I'd be if I wanted to throw something else in there, I'd throw an Earth sign of some description in there. Yeah, absolutely no fire and absolutely no air. No, at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's very, on the other hand, he's very he's- handsome, and he was very vulnerable, and and I do think that he loves Angie. I really do. Yeah, I believe it too. And I just, I just wonder with this show, and this is why I'd love to go on it because I really, I really feel like there has to be some element of wanting to win a game. Like there has to be, because if you put 15 men in a room with me, it's, I I honestly can't imagine that it would be that easy to find my soulmate in 15 men because I've been looking my whole life for him. You know, so I'm just wondering, like, there must be some sort of, for both the Bachelorette and the contestants, some element of needing to win and having the trophy at the end. Well, didn't Tim say in one of his comments last night, God, I love him. He said so many great one-liners that he's like, I really hope I win, eh? Like, it's just like, that just shone straight through. He's like, yeah, I love her, but also I want to win. Yeah. I just think the way that Tim handled the rejection last night when he held her and he kissed her and he told her it was going to be okay and he held himself together for her. And then he broke when he walked away. We've never seen a rejection like that on The Bachelor ever. Not once. No, that was the moment that everyone went, this man is like there's substance to him, you know. He's not just a larrikin. He is... He's solid. Like, that is a solid human. Tim for Bachelor 2020. I'm I reckon Tim or Kieran. I really was still waiting for Kieran to emerge from the bushes last night. <laughs> <laughs> he's so hot. Yeah, he is hot. But he's so self-absorbed, Holly. Like, yeah, so I can self-absorbed. Yeah, well, I'd love <laughs> to have a relationship with him. I must ask Trent what that's like. <laughs> Look, Trent would probably say that it's all fun and games and a little bit of frustration thrown in for good measure. Yeah, I actually witnessed Trent's frustration with you. I'd never seen it. I'd only ever experienced your relationship through your eyes. 
<laughs> and then I hung out with Holly and Trent and I saw the frustration in his eyes at times. It's regular. It, yeah. it happens a lot. It's I mean, fine. It made me realize that you're both just human. <laughs> We're not superhuman. No, you're not superhuman. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hol, on today's show, we're actually going to talk about sensuality. And I think, like, right out of the gate, we should um, uh, make it quite clear that sensuality and sexuality are two very different things. And I think for quite a long time, I kind of thought they were synonymous with each other. But it's not always the case, right? No, exactly. Sensuality and sexuality can be a counterpart of sensuality, but not always. Sensuality, you look at the word, it's about the senses. It's about our sensory experience of things. Yeah. And it it doesn't matter being male or or female. We can be a sensual human, but it's an embodiment of really allowing ourselves to experience our senses, so touch and taste and Mm. sound and all of our senses to their full embodiment. When I teach sexuality, it is in the context of females' relationship with their physical bodies, but that isn't always the case, George. Like, we can have a sensual experience eating a beautiful meal or having a delicious glass of red, you know? Like, it it encompasses so many areas of life. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? I've always, ever since I was a kid, have a really heightened sense of all of my senses. So I smell a lot more than people can smell. And I yes. hear, I'm very sensitive to sound and I'm very sensitive to light and, you know, sight and taste. I taste a lot brighter than a lot of people taste. So it's quite an interesting um it's been quite an interesting experience for me tapping into my sensuality because I feel like without even really realizing it, I've always been sensual, but it's about embodying the sensuality and using it as a sort of uh, embodied flow, I guess. Exactly. And what sensuality allows us to do when we're really embodied in that state is milk out the juices of life. So Rather than just going for a beach walk and plugging the music in your ears and not taking in your surroundings or feeling the water on your feet, you're actually feeling the grains of sand. And as that, you know, as the water rushes up your leg, you're you're being present. And I feel the practice of sensuality really is an embodiment of presence and how it feels in your body and mm. the energetic shifts that that can create in you as well, George. I did a little research on sensuality. I mean, this is one of my favorite topics. It's a whole topic a week dedicated to it in my body, my home. But I was curious to know what the actual definition of sensuality is. And according to dictionary.com, reputable source, (laughs) sensuality is the enjoyment, expression, or pursuit of physical pleasure. Mm. And I think that that's the key word. The key words there, Jord, are, I mean, enjoyment, expression, and then it's physical and pleasure. And pleasure can take a variety of forms, right? Absolutely. How do you express your sensuality? There are a few ways that I do, Jord. I think the most obvious one for many people would be through music and dance and actually really connecting with music as you move. Now, there are some beautiful accounts online on Instagram that show an example of embodying their physical to music. (laughs) Do you know who my favourite account to watch dance in front of the camera is? And she's also a listener, is Confetti Rebels. Holy shit. You are the best dancer ever. The best ever. Yeah. We both talk about it all the time. We're like, yep, she's done another one and we love it. She nails it. I love it. And that's what it is, right? Because you're embodying music as a sense in your body. But that said, you don't have to look like the other people online dancing to music no. as well. Like, and also I dance you don't have every to do day. it online. You can just no. do it in your home. Yeah. So I'm constantly dancing, George, to my different playlists. And it depends on my mood, determines what playlist I pop on. It's usually in the shower. And I know that you're the same, George. Like you have a connection with music. You have beautiful music in your yin classes, for example. Yeah, but when I'm at home... I just like to play stuff that I can move my hips to. It's all about the hips for me. Like if I can move my hips and kind of like swing my shoulders around a bit and then I'm really feeling into the music, that's when I start to tap into my sensuality. Well, that makes sense, right? Because our sacral chakra is housed in that area and our sacral is the embodiment of sensuality and creativity and sexuality as well. So if we're moving our hips, we're actually activating that energetic center. So Mm. it all connects. Yeah. Okay, so how does sensuality then connect to sexuality? Because 
I have to say, like, I mean, I think, well, I think sexuality and sex are two different things. Totally. But I, I don't think of myself as particularly sexual, but I think of myself as particularly sensual, especially when it comes to sex. Totally. So for me, in exploring more of my relationship with sensuality, especially over the last two years, through embodied dance and ecstatic movement and music and moving of the hips and these sorts of things, what I've realized is the more in touch with that energetic frequency of sensuality I can be, then the more open and receptive I am to experiencing different sensations when I'm having sex. So the more that we're activating that space and that energetic center in our womb, in our yoni, the more open and receptive we are when we are making love to actually experiencing different sensations because that's what it is, sensation, right? Mm. So feeling like the touch of your lover's hand on your leg and it ripples goosebumps up your spine. I should write erotic fiction. Um, Really? (laughs) Maybe not. But, you know, it's like the pieces of foreplay that once just felt like monotonous and routine, they can become more of a sensory experience before even the act of sex. Mm. Um, But the other thing for me, which is a key part of my relationship with sensuality at least, is the self-pleasure component. And actually having a practice that where I bring myself to orgasm regularly, be whether you're in a relationship or not, I feel like that's an important connection with sensuality and sexuality and the bridge between the two. Mm. Okay, so uh, what, ab- what about um, separate to sex then? What about what are some sensual activities that you like to do aside from dancing? Like okay. what are some sensual activities that can activate your sensuality? So getting into nature is another big one for me, and that's always through some kind of slow walk. Now, I might have music on or not. It's not actually about that, but it's like I described. It's walking. Actually, I walk barefoot everywhere and feeling the sand or the water under your feet, feeling the ripple of the breeze on your skin, actually being present with what you can hear and what you can smell, be it on the beach, in on a bushwalk, all of those sorts of things. Uh Another another one that we as women we love but we don't do enough is bubble baths and having oils and actually the bubbles and connecting with your physical body in that way. Nudity is a good one for sensuality because you're actually allowing all parts of your body to feel. Mm. Um, there are a couple of my favorite way jobs. What about you? Well, I was definitely going to say a bath um, and I think that I fantasize about baths often because I don't have one. Yes, <laughs> me too. Um like I said, because because sense is such a big part of my life, um, very, I'm very much about having a beautiful scent in the home and having beautiful music playing and having candlelight, so soft lighting. So all of the senses are firing around an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like being naked. Like I'll often be naked in the house, which can be quite problematic at my home because it's totally. made of glass and people just walk in whenever they want but that's all right um oh sorry that was a very loud noise um and yeah what else um what about cooking jaws yeah i was just about to say like again like the senses are all heightened like the stirring of the food on the stove and the smells and then the taste in my mouth I find that a really sensual experience and then again like cooking for a loved one that for me is like probably the most sensual way that I can connect with someone you know that's what I was going to ask you when do you feel the most sensual so cooking for a loved one is that for you yeah I would say so well cooking for a loved one but also just being touched by a loved one you know like being in it I'm very much about physical touch like even just with my friends I like to I like to touch people a lot also in yoga I like to touch people (laughs) a lot but there's something about the sensory experience that happens when when there's skin on skin yes um, that I yeah I find super sensual 
this is why massage and getting a facial, any kind of practice that involves physical touch on the body activates your sensuality because you are receiving and feeling, which is beautiful. It also weaves in that embodiment of femininity, which is being receptive, right? And feminine energy. So we're not talking male or female here, but being receptive to pleasurable experiences, which mm. we all need more of, I believe. Yeah. So another component that comes up a lot, Jord, when we're looking at sensuality, particularly if you're heavily invested in the personal development and spiritual world, is talk and practices around using either crystal dildos or the jade egg, which is like a little crystal egg to activate the sacral chakra. Now, I would love to share this story with all of you (laughs) just because I do not have a jade egg practice, although I did. And here is the story why I no longer do, friends. Have I told you this, George? No, you haven't. But I just want to say, like, I, I, I also have a jade egg and I used it a few times and I thought it was really great. And then I thought I was, like, super special and that I was powerful enough to sleep with the jade <laughs> egg inside of me. And I've never had more terrifying dreams in my life. Now, I just want to say, Holly and I are both telling you horror stories. Some people have the most beautiful jade egg practices. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely not discrediting beautiful no. practices. <laughs> it just so happens that Jordan and I have both had somewhat the opposite experiences. Yes. So I tell the story. I started my jade egg practice like a few years ago and my friend Tara O had gifted me one and she'd said to me, Holly, it's fine. It cannot get stuck. It's like a tampon. You can't lose it in your cervix. Like it's totally fine. You use a bit of like dental floss or string to easy access in and easy pulling out. And the whole premise of the jade egg is to activate the sacral chakra, right? So it's less about feelings of orgasmic energy, although you that may happen for you. But for me, I'd just insert my jade egg in the morning, I'd do my journaling, I'd meditate, and then I'd remove it. it. Just so happened one morning, and it was a morning that I had the media team from Sky News coming to my home to interview me about mental health, that I'd done my jade egg practice, and I was like, okay, three, two, one, pulls the string out, no jade egg on the other end of the string. And I'm lying in bed and I'm at home by myself. And we were living with transparents at the time just to set the scene. And Lola was looking at me and I was looking at Lola and I was like, she knows. Lola's the dog, guys. Lola's my dog. And not my jade egg. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to push it out. And I was just pushing. Nothing was happening. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get a towel. This is literally where my head went. I'm going to get a towel. I'm going to lay it down on the carpeted bedroom floor and I'm going to squat. <laughs> I end up peeing on the oh carpet. Oh, no. Holy. Peeing on the carpet. Mid, midstream, I'm running to the bathroom going, what am I doing? Peeing on the toilet going, why is the jade egg not coming out? Like, guys, I clearly haven't done my kegels. There was no strength whatsoever. I was like, please come out. Please come out. Nothing. But there must have been strength because you were holding it up there. Well, yeah, that's true. I just wasn't getting it out. And I rang Trent. I must have been so tense. And so I was yeah. just like stricted. Rang Trent. I'm like, the jade egg's stuck. He's like, it can't get stuck. You told me that. I'm like, well, I take it back. I'm eating my words. He was in hysterics. Not helpful. <laughs> I was thinking I've got to go to the doctors and get this removed before my interview with Sky News in a few hours. My sister, I finally ring my sister. Who's six years younger, might I add? At this time, she was probably about 20. I'm like, Carmen, I've got a problem here. <laughs> My jade egg is stuck. I can't get it out. And she goes in her Carmen way, Holly, please, haven't you seen that Sex in the City episode where the same thing happens to Samantha? I was like, no, I didn't watch Sex in the City. Another problem of mine. She's like, you just create a hook and you lube up and you create a hook with your fingers and you get it out. I was like, okay, fine. So I'm lubing up with the coconut oil. I've got one foot up on the bath, on the edge of the bath. I've created a hook with my fucking fingers. And because it's a jade egg, the surface is really round and smooth. So nothing was catching. 
I really feel like we should have put a caveat on this story. (laughs) Very traumatic. I got it out in the end. I have never used a jade egg since. Have you seen that episode of The Bold Type where um, she gets a jade egg stuck and one of her best friends has to fish it out for her? I have not seen that episode, but I've heard that that's happened to people before. Yeah, I would not do that for you. I would never do that for you either. I mean, <laughs> even if death was imminent, I would take you to the hospital. Oh, if death was imminent, I'd do it for you. Would you? Yeah, of course. That's really nice. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm just really bad in those situations. That's not to turn any of you off a yoni egg practice, and we would love to hear in the Facebook group if you've had beautiful experiences with yours. I guess the other thing, the, one of the most central experiences I have had jawed we've spoken about in a previous episode the yoni de-armoring for me was incredibly sensual and a beautiful experience so if you haven't listened to that episode definitely go back and check it out Mm. what do you think people struggle with the most when it comes to sensuality the taboo nature around women embodying sensuality and that there's so much shame associated with a woman who is in in her embodied full sensual state because a sensual woman can appear as overly sexual as well and we've been conditioned as women to believe that that's dangerous right Hmm. what about you what do you think I think for women like aside aside from shame around it I think I think that it's a a scary time for women to look like they're inviting any kind of sexual advancement towards them so by being expressive with their sensuality is that an invitation it's not it's not an invitation but I think especially with the me too movement of late which seems very kind of dampened at the moment with climate change and the fires and all of that there's a new thing to talk about but um you know the me too movement has been very prevalent and I think that some women um are terrified to own their sensuality in case it's misconstrued i absolutely agree with that jord and i felt it too i think this is where we can bring a real lightness into sensuality and look at it as play like a practice like hula hooping for instance you're moving your hips you're activating that sacral and it's also really fun and playful right and we can bring that lighter flirtatious energy without having to go too deep into the the shadow end of sensuality which obviously is there to be explored if you're interested but like anything we can keep it really light and surface as well like go and buy your favorite lollipop and have a little suck and that can be your sensuality practice you know what I mean I didn't say that very eloquently did I not really (laughs) um what do you think is your like where do you think in your body you tap into your sensuality the most my breasts through massage especially in the shower I'll just foam up body lotion like body wash and they're the first part of my body that I wash and I just really you know focus on them and probably my face as well when I use makeup to express sensuality outward like a lips or a colored eye or those sorts of things feel quite um yes peacocky but also an expression of my sensuality as well because it's color it's sight right Mm. how about you george i think my lips like um i i feel so much sensation through my lips and i when i'm being sensual with a partner i use my lips a lot which i don't even realize i'm doing but I have this pout that I am not conscious of and I bite yeah. my bottom lip a lot and I, I right. use them to express the sensory feelings that I'm embodying, you know. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. I, I have a friend who she finds nothing more sensual than ears, mm. her ears being played and touched, yeah. at, but also her doing it to someone else's ears. She just yeah. loves that. I love ears too, actually. It's so fascinating, isn't it? We've got all of these sensation like zones on our body all over the place that we're so unaware of. And there's so many different sensory areas to explore if we allow ourselves to. Here's another little weird sensual quirk, which sometimes freaks partners out, but most of them seem to love it. I've got this obsession and it is purely sensory for me. But um, when guys have very prominent veins in their, like, forearms and I just, like, very softly with my fingers press on the vein, feel it nice and plump, 
And honestly, like that is just such a sensual experience for me. I don't know why, but I could just fall asleep, like just kind of pressing a really plump, hydrated, well hydrated vein. That is so <laughs> twisted and I love it. Trent loves in terms of sensory in a relationship, he loves the lower bit of my forearm and mm. he'll just bite it. Like he just loves it. It's yeah. the most bizarre thing. I don't understand it, but See, I get it. It's it's very right. soft, that bit of the arm as well. Like when I was a kid, I used to stroke um, my mum's forearm there as well to get me to sleep because it's such a soft part of the body. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. There are little bits like that on the body that are very soothing and very sensual to the senses. It is a sensory experience. Hull, what is your record this week? I feel like I'm the food girl at the moment with the recos but it's a delicious dessert treat and i am just going to go right out and say it panna chocolate have released a whole range of dairy-free ice cream flavors now some of their ice creams have been around for a while but they've just released special edition neck level flavors and i'm just going to talk to those so what's amazing about panna chocolate if you've been living under a rock is it's all organic dairy-free gluten-free goodness the texture of panna chocolate is so decadent and rich and delicious i can't even their ice cream equivalent is such a nice treat for a hot summer's day the other day i purchased the double chocolate from my local health food store and jord not only is it chocolate but it's got panna choc chips all throughout mm. it is so delicious last night for batchy i purchased their boysenberry cheesecake flavor which leah experienced for the first time it's the first time experiencing panna chocolate ice cream and she <laughs> took a spoonful and said hmm interesting and i said good right and she's like um but by the end she was hooked <laughs> why what why didn't she like it initially i think you've got to keep in mind that it's not real ice cream right it's coconut milk based and all of their ice creams are so you're not the texture's great, but it's not a creamy like Peter's or dairy milk ice cream, for instance. Mm. Their new release flavor is peanut butter and raspberry, yeah. which I am yet to try. But they also have, I mean, toffee pecan, salted caramel is great, as is vanilla bean. The mint choc chip's really good. Well, they've just released the mint choc chip in like a uh, chocolate-coated paddle pop version. Oh, nice. And they've also just released their salted caramel in a paddle pop version as well. So, guys, jump on the panorganic.com website. You can order online. You can also find your stockist there as well. So Um, They're available in Woolworths. Oh, are they? Yeah. Shit. God. Well, there you go. I've been living under a bloody rock. These are delicious, though, guys. Get on it. Well, if Holly is the food record girl, I am the TV record girl. (laughs) (laughs) What have you got for us, John? I watched a really good stand-up special this week. It's new to Netflix. It's Seth Meyers. It's called The Lobby Baby. Okay. Um, Seth Meyers is a late-night TV host, so he's, you know, part of the Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel crew. Um, And... It's really funny. Like, I laughed out loud several times, and I don't always do that. I love stand-up, but I feel like lately stand-up's been super political and, like, just a little bit. I'm just a bit over it, you know. But this is just – it's very clever, very funny. He's hot, Silver Fox. Ooh. um, Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It's very intelligent, and I highly, highly recommend I'm going to watch it tonight, Jord. I was wondering what I was going to do tonight. Yeah, it's really it's really great. Really happy. I'm going to eat my pan of ice cream and watch a comedy special. Love it. Love it. Do you eat straight out of the tub, Paul? Yes. Yeah, no bowls. It's so funny. I'm not a big ice cream person. Like, I, really? I like ice cream. Like, I like it, but I'd never buy it. And I was never, like, a gelato Messina gal. I oh. just... It's, maybe it's the, again, like sensory overload, the sweet and the cold is too much for me. It's so interesting. Mm. So interesting. I'm, I've am i always been an ice cream gal. We, when we grew up, there was always ice cream in the freezer, like real. What did you have? It was vanilla or Neapolitan. Oh, we and, always had Neapolitan too. And the strawberry would always get left over. It would always be vanilla and chocolate. Yeah, except the strawberry was my favourite. So I was like, you guys can have the vanilla and chocolate. I'll happily have the strawberry. <laughs> 
the big the big no brand tubs yes. of Neapolitan ice cream. That was Christmas at our place. <laughs> Same. <laughs> That's so funny. But I love Messina. I love all the ice creams all the time. Actually, speaking of Christmas and ice cream, you know what I do love is hot custard with cold ice cream. Oh, so good. That's a sensory overload. I know, but it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Senses don't even everything sensory even over. <laughs> <laughs> Holly, um, I think we need to just tell everyone quickly about um the game we played this week. Guys, we played a really great game. It's called <laughs> Guess That Celebrity Natal Chart. It was so fun. It was so much fun. We'll do one live. Do you want to do one live now? Yeah, let's do one live now. It's pretty fun. Okay, okay so what you gotta do is you've got to guess the sun, moon and ascendant of a celebrity so we haven't planned this are you okay can you pull pull up up a chart can you pull up a male celebrity i can do that for you i feel like they're less clever at hiding their true stuff this is true (laughs) so guys what you've got to do is you've actually just got to google celebrity natal chart and then you scroll down and find someone okay jord guess that celebrity natal chart jake Jill and Hall. Oh, good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. I feel like his rising is fire. Correct. Okay. I feel like his moon is, and I'll get more specific. I just want to see if I can get the elements mm-hmm. right. I feel like his moon might be air. Correct. Oh, fuck. I know. You're doing so well. Doing this so is amazing, well. guys. Um, I feel like his son. I've actually looked up his son before. I think in the episode we were talking about celebrity, I said what his son was, but I can't remember. Um, son, son, son. I feel like he might be a water son. Incorrect. Okay, okay, okay. Um, double fire. Correct. Yeah, okay. So I think that his son is Saj. Diding. And his rising is Leo. Diding. Oh my god. You are so good at this. Um and his moon is Gemini. Yes. You. Yes. Guys, god. this has never happened in the history of guess that celebrity natal chart. <laughs> that was really good for a live episode one. That was really good for not planning that. I know. Okay, so I'll tell you why I think thought all those things. Tell me. I've always felt this real kind of understanding of Jake Gyllenhaal for some reason. <laughs> and that's why I went Gemini Moon. Because I was like, double Gemini oh. sees his Gemini Moon. Well, quintuple Gemini. Um, and I also... He's very performative. Like, whenever I've seen him interviewed, he's very much a fire sign. Yeah. He is, isn't he? Yeah, and I thought, okay, so that's his rising. But then I feel like he's just being himself. So that's why I thought double fire. We would get along, both you and I would get along with him exceptionally well. I know. He'd been like one of us. He'd be your soulmate. I know, Jay. You always knew this about you and Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you heard it here first, folks. I've got to say. Like ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to marry someone whose name started with J, because I just liked the sound of like double J's. Oh yeah, George and Jake. You know, you're like a Kardashian. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Be good if they had a last name that started with J too. Well, he sort of does, Gyllenhaal. Jordana Gyllenhaal. Well, that's like Holly Houlihan. You know yeah. how I feel. That. Yeah, but it's because you got the extra <laughs> and the ulls. So mm. many ulls. Okay, we've got to get serious now. We've got to get serious. So, Holly, uh, it's not really a teach me something new, but basically no. with everything that's been going on this week with the fires, um, I know it's been personally affecting you. It's very, very, very close to me up here. The whole community's been feeling it. Um, we thought it might be a, a nice idea just to bring a little bit more awareness to what's going on and how people can help out. Yeah, so I've been deep in a hole this week, guys, of just 
collating all of the different resources, information and ways that we can support what's going on. Uh, so just as a little bit of an intro for those of you who may be unaware or not aware of the severity of what's going on right now, uh, in Australia, New South Wales and Queensland are currently in a state of emergency with fires blazing on the northeast coast region. So to put it in perspective, George, of how devastating these bushfires are, when the Brazilian Amazon rainforest was on fire just recently, it burnt 125,000 hectares. So far today, and it's Friday morning, we've lost more than 1 million hectares in these fires. We've lost four human lives. And this isn't to mention, obviously, the hundreds of evacuated homes, thousands of wildlife that have been killed and displaced and injured. Um, for me personally, it has affected me. My dad is caught up in the fires. He got an evacuation text last night at 10 o'clock. Uh, and I, I think it's important for people to realise that, yeah, on Tuesday this week in Sydney CBD, it felt quite apocalyptic because there were fires encroaching in Sydney and there were a lot of Sydney you know, suburbs under threat. But now that things have settled a little in Sydney, it's not as at the forefront. And, Jordan, I know up where you are, the fires are still going hard, right? Yeah, the Nimbin fires are terrifying. Yeah, and similarly with my dad, like I feel this not, sick knot in my stomach constantly checking where the movement of the fires have gone. So I just feel like so often we can go, okay, jump ship, what's the next thing? And this this is the thing right now. And it's really big and it's very scary. And I am aware, George and I are both aware, that there are many listeners who will either have evacuated their homes or are in some level of danger or discomfort. And we just want to acknowledge that and say that we are thinking of you and we're here to to help and so that's what I'm about to share George all of the different ways that we can help that aren't just donating money okay great so the first piece is jumping on and signing the change petition which is asking our leaders to take responsibility for their inaction in what has been the most catastrophic fire incident in Australian history. So I've linked that uh, that change petition in my bio on Instagram, but you can also just go to the change.org website and find it there as well. Also, if you're sharing anything on social media, use the hashtag attention scott morrison and that's a double t n now this hashtag is about starting a conversation around how it actually is up for to us to be a voice in change for this and we all do have the power to leave our voices and lead as an example in our communities as demanding change from our leaders who have still refused to admit or share that climate change has been any factor in these fires there are a few ways that you can donate if you feel that contributing some money will help, which it absolutely will, especially given that the Rural Fire Service had extreme budget cuts only a few months ago, and they're really relying heavily on volunteer firefighters. So the first place of donation is the Rural Fire Service. But what you can also do, Jord, is actually find your local fire station and donate directly to them so that it's going back into your immediate community. You could also consider volunteering, uh, which obviously isn't the case for everybody, but my brother and even Trent, when he gets back from Japan, have considered jumping on and volunteering to help out as well because they are grossly understaffed. They've, we've flown in firemen from, uh, firefighters from Canada, New Zealand, and all across the country, and we're in dire need of help. Uh, donating to wires or even considering becoming an animal carer for injured animals. The Red Cross... So the Red Cross are uh, calling not just money, but clothing and food supplies as well. The Salvation Army and St. Vincent de Paul have launched disaster appeals specifically for the bushfires. And GIVIT, so G-I-V-I-T, is working with the Queensland government collecting useful household items. So mm -hmm. if you're not able to donate money, you can donate your household items for those who have lost their homes and everything in the fires because that's what we need to think about, guys. I mean, it's incredible that on Tuesday, which was the highest alert day this week, we didn't lose any lives, but people are losing their livelihood and that is tragic, not to mention the impact this is having on our farmers and the agricultural industry and, and just everything. So we've got 
to really think about the ripple effect that this is having for all of us, whether we're impacted directly or not. We can also donate to the Koala Hospital in Port Macquarie. So it's estimated that over 350 koalas have died and their habitat's been totally destroyed. So really reaching out to those local communities who are feeling it the most and putting your money there is really, really beautiful. And I was reading a Sydney Morning Herald article this week and it said that when you donate money, because a lot of the time it's like I want to give things, but donating money gives people the choice to buy the things they need and it also supports local businesses that have been impacted as well because we can assume that people would need these clothes and these things and go out and buy all the things for them, but it is actually better to put your money into the charitable organisations who will then be able to delegate properly. Mm. Another um, initiative I've seen popping up is through Airbnb where people that already have like Airbnb studios or apartments or whatever are donating them for free for families in need that don't have a home. That is so beautiful. Mm. And God, it's moments like this, isn't it, where you see the compassion and just the beauty in the world as well. Um, I think that in this case, knowledge is power. And as much as I am someone who says, I don't watch the news and I don't like to be across, it's it's almost like a duty of care thing that we need to be aware of what's going on just so that we're informed as to how we can help. So reading the op-ed piece by the former fire and rescue New South Wales commissioner, his name's Greg Mullins, and it was in the Sydney Morning Herald, it just gives you an understanding of how severe this is and what needs to change from a political perspective for us to actually make powerful change that matters. So just remember, guys, with this, your vote does count, so keep climate in mind when it comes to voting. Leaving water out for the wildlife, especially in areas that are more smoky and especially on days that feel really, really hot, unseasonably so. And also, this is, seems obvious, but just pay attention to the fire ban. So, for instance, I know, Jord, we didn't burn anything on the full moon this time around. No. Yeah? <laughs> There's just, like, no burning things right now. Um, and if you need to release something, Jord's has taught us this, you can put it in the freezer. Yeah, or bury it in the earth. There we go. It's also important to share stories and ask questions, especially hold space for those who have been affected. Mm. It's really, really key here. And I know, George, you shared with me a beautiful post about a suggestion that an Indigenous elder made and community members who have treated this land with respect long before our time. There's so much insight coming through on that. So it's important for us to listen and to learn. Uh, one of our friends, Tara Bliss, held a beautiful group meditation and there are many of these popping up as well. So collective energy healing sessions. The the session that we meditated to with Tara's uh, session this week, I highly recommend people download and do in their own time. It's a Dr. Joe Dispenza meditation and it's called the Collective Coherence Meditation. It's about collectively creating coherence across the world and healing the world. It's really, really beautiful. And not to be underestimated as well, George, when people sit and set an intention collectively, you shared this this week using the portal of 1111 to really pray for rain. People are saying, you know, hopes and prayers don't do anything, but they actually do. They really do. So sitting in that space is important too. Uh, now, this is dependent on if you have family who are being impacted like me. It, it does come with a little bit of a forewarning. It's created more anxiety in me than I would have liked to, but the Fires Near Me app is incredible. It's by the Rural Fire Service. It helps you stay up to date with alerts in areas of your family or loved ones or maybe your own areas. It's just it can create anxiety when you wake up and there's 50 alerts that the fires are encroaching. But, you you know, just use it as you can. And also just be aware that there are 19 evacuation centres on the mid-north coast, so be familiar with the one nearest to you or your family. Just Just become like it's just these little things that we need to be aware of. From an energetic level, Jord, and this is the way that I feel a lot of us have been impacted, whether we felt it directly or not, the collective energy this week has been incredibly heavy. And please don't harness any guilt or shame for feeling extra sensitive, heavy, exhausted or drained, whether you have someone impacted in your life or not. This is a time for all of us to go really easy and gently with ourselves. So really be sure to process whatever emotion comes up, knowing that there's this collective shedding happening happening 
this week I have not gotten off the couch. Yesterday was the first day I left the home in two and a half days, you know, and it's just honoring where you're at and doing what you can to really pay respect to your own personal energy and your personal stress levels as well. Uh, And the other piece, draw that I'll leave this on is Think about the small steps you can take in your own life every day that impact the climate. So, I mean, George, you speak about your keep cup all the time or maybe it's less food wastage or shorter showers, cleaning the beach, you know, the list goes on. It all really does add up. And as a collective, we can create an empowered change and inspired change in light of something that feels quite traumatic. Absolutely. That was awesome. Thanks for sharing, Hole. And um, yeah, hopefully, even if we just do a, a tiny little bit each, there's also been some amazing initiatives by local businesses that are donating profits. And it's yeah. quite it's quite upsetting actually because there was a little bit of um, an uproar this week. I think it was Sarah Day's um, initiative. She decided she was going to donate a dollar from every sale of some product. And people were getting really upset with her and saying, how come you're only donating a dollar? You know, you're just trying to get um, your own revenue sales up and using this crisis. And that really upset me because I just thought, you know, everybody's doing what they can. And it it takes a lot to run a business. And if if, if you're a business that's in a position to donate 100% of profit for a period of time, amazing. But not all businesses are. So a dollar from each product is still very generous. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no judgment here at all. Do you know what, Jord? I felt really nervous to share that I was doing similar with my body, my home. I was like, oh, 10%, like it doesn't feel like much. But also behind the scenes, I'm donating and people aren't seeing that, you know? And I think that that's important as well to acknowledge that, Yes, people are publicly sharing, and I know I've been one of them, you know, the things that they're doing or how you can act. But also, if your way of managing your energy and experience with this is to be a little more introverted and introspective and donating without sharing what you're doing, then honor, like, honor that as well. It doesn't have to be shouted from the rooftops all the time. It's, like, it's, it doesn't matter where you're at. Just do what you can with what you have. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, um, thanks for hanging out with me again. That's okay. I love hanging out with you every week. It's so fun. I have to go get a blood test now, and I'm really hungry because it's been a fasted one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what are you going to eat after you have the blood test? Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to take an apple with me as a quick immediate snack, (laughs) which is not fun, and then I'm going to come home and make some delicious – actually, maybe I'm going to go – I'm going to go get food somewhere, maybe a banana blossom salad or something yummy. Mm. Yum, yum, yum. You've been listening to The Middle with your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Join our Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast Show and follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast. If you want to join the newsletter list, there's a link in our Instagram bio or there's a link in the show notes of this episode. See ya. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.